Hi, this is Dana Gornell from the Tattooed Buddha, and I'm here today with Michelin Bradley and our special guests, Tyler Lukey and Grant Gaylor. And uh, we have uh, a lot of cool things to talk about, um, but we'll start with um, just saying hi and thank you guys for being here. I guess the first thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is um, tell me a little bit about yourself, Tyler. Like, how did you become Buddhist and how did you become a realtor? We'll start there. Okay. <laughs> That's such That's a funny a intro. One. I love it. Um, I uh, am, uh, how did I become Buddhist? Uh, through pain, um, through, through navigating sorrow and trying to figure out why I couldn't stop suffering and couldn't stop being addicted, why my behaviors kept uh, influencing me in ways that didn't serve myself for the greater good. And so in the path of, uh, in the journey of discovering um, how to relieve my own suffering, uh, I came across, uh, you know, so many great teachers that often wouldn't describe themselves as Buddhist, but would, would, would simply be using wisdom that I, you know, would, would later discover had, had its origins in Buddhist philosophy or Buddhist wisdom. And so I still sort of, um, resist the label, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, I've learned to accept the label because it's, it's, it quickly gets people um, understanding of where my heart and head is. Um, but, I, but I still notice a resistance when somebody defines me a certain way. Um, uh, my teacher, Bhante Sujatha, often refers to himself as a breathist instead of a Buddhist, which I appreciate. Um, so I'm wrestling with those words. And, you know, my business, um, I, I, have, I have lots of different business interests and lots of folks in those businesses. And really, I would say that uh, for me, um, if you looked inside my business through the lens of Buddhism, you would see its philosophy everywhere. Uh, but no one knows that. Uh, I, I think that it's very likely that I was on a path to step out of mainstream society and mainstream commerce and kind of go the... Buddhist teacher, seeker, uh, get me to India kind of a route. Um, and I kept having a prompting that there's no way out but in, uh, and that I might be able to be uh, more of a beacon of good in the center of Wall Street than up in a Himalayan mountain. And so um, although that has caused some uncomfortableness, because I often feel like a gorilla in the mist, and I don't fit into mainstream society, I do think that I've been able to perform greater acts of good um, by being with the people than separating myself from the people. Uh, and so I, I think that would be my answer on how I became a Buddhist, if I use the title, is simply to say, um, I can't find objection with it. Uh, and it's the teachings and the people, uh, the Sangha uh, around it, continue to be um, just so influential in every aspect of my life and my life's work that it's undeniable. I, I've tried for decades to deny it and I simply can't any longer. Grant, do you consider yourself Buddhist? You know, I, I, I would say that um, I, it's only recently that I've really started to wear that label, you know, in earnest and, and much like Tyler, um, you know, I didn't decide to try Buddhism because my life was going really well at the time. You know, it was, uh, through through pain and, you know, searching for a way out of my suffering that I, you know, started to discover meditation as a way to kind of calm myself down. Um, 
And, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an extreme person. And so I quickly went from, you know, doing five minute guided meditations to, you know, going on a 10 day silent meditation retreat um, at one of uh, Goenka's properties in uh, California. Um, you know, and, and through that experience, it was such an intense experience. Um, it, it really, I, I would say I was hooked after that, you know, it was, it was finally, I, I found, um, found something that, that I could use on a daily basis to really, um, help me feel, um, the most like myself. And, you know, I, I tried to, to chase that feeling I had after that 10 days of meditation for, for a while, um, you know, but, but then it, you know, the, the regular kind of baseline way of being came back and I, but, but I slowly even started to shift that, you know, from, from feeling uh, more anxious to, to really being more of a calm and collected person. Um, and then, you know, I recently took my precepts too in front of the Sangha. So that was really meaningful um, to be able to stand up and, um, and, and, and really, uh, take those vows and in, in front of the community. Um, and so, yes, I definitely consider myself a Buddhist. That's the long answer. Well, you jumped right in, didn't you? <laughs> I sure did. I sure the five minute meditations to precepts just about so quickly. About, about five years. Yeah. About five years. Okay. From that point. So tell me about what inspired you to, um, start a retreat center. Yeah. Um, well, it's very new. Uh, we, yeah, Sunday was our second official retreat COVID. Um, yeah, COVID put a nice little wrinkle in everyone's timelines, didn't they? But, um, you know, I think it's a little bit hard, I think for us to describe, uh, why this is here and what we're doing with it, because, um, we've really, really trusted that the work will teach us how to do it and will teach us what it is. And so um, I think that I can say for me, uh, and, and uh, I, I don't want to speak for you, you'll have your own answer about why we're doing this. But for me, my, uh, my grandfather was a student of A Course in Miracles. And uh, so one of the, the core teachings of A Course in Miracles is to have, give all to all. And that, since I was able to walk, that was sort of a message and a mantra, sort of our family mantra is to express extreme gratitude at all costs and whatever we want, we need to give away. Um, and so I've always kind of run my life that way. And so I feel deeply uh, obligated, committed and honored to be able to give back. It feels like an essential to me. And I have this incredibly fucking weird life where I run uh, huge corporate businesses um, that are that are by every uh, every understanding very mainstream traditional businesses that provide a lot of profit and a lot of uh, mainstream uh, accoutrements that go along with running big business. And I run a Buddhist temple with meditation uh, centers in 15 different states and two countries. Um, and have weird access to the most bizarre people. Like I can, I can put a hedge fund manager on the phone and I can put, um, you know, Bonte G on the phone together. And it's just so crazy. It makes no sense. When people ask me what I do, I start to sweat because I have no idea how to describe my work in this weird contradiction that is my life. Um, but the retreat center feels like a, for me, it feels like a venue where I can introduce in an intimate way 
small groups of people to the incredible access that I have to the most amazing teachers of our time. And so I, I really want to make sure that I'm, I'm giving back the resources I've gotten. And so when we have people come through uh, to either teach with Bhante Sujatha, our primary spiritual teacher, um, or come to our temple or give talks, I often have access to them for a couple of days. We're hosting them. We're hanging out with them. We're preparing them for whatever workshops they're going to do. And it just it kept occurring to me that I could create small, intimate environments where people could have intimate access to these great teachers and, and impact their lives in a big way. And the primary people that I want to come to the retreat center are people who don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, I really want to blow their minds. And so these are people who don't even understand meditation. They, uh, if, if you say anything like Reiki or crystals or woo woo, anything, they're like, they run away thinking you're some new age freak show. I love that. That's who I want here really badly because, um, you know, I think that my kind of worldly success allows them to accept my alternative thinking easier than people that they don't have that that commonality with. And so for me, this place, uh, while it has become our home because of the pandemic, we've chosen to live here the majority of the time, it really is this venue to create intimate experiences with people who otherwise would not have access and for me, it feels like a way to say thank you to the world for really this incredibly abundant life that we have. Um, and, and Grant, you can answer the question yourself, but, you know, Grant's a social worker, uh, a Marine, uh, uh, you know, a therapist in private practice. I'm, I'm a, uh, what I call myself as an entrepreneurial therapist or, uh, you know, a performance coach for executives and entrepreneurs. And it's so incredible for me because we each have offices right next door to each other. And Grant is like super soft and asking people these deep inquisitive questions to help lead them to awareness. And I'm like one wall over saying, you've got to fucking be kidding. Just get over it. Let's do this instead. Because (laughs) a a therapist asks you what you think. A coach kind of tells you what they observe. And it's so cool to watch this contrast and have it work so beautifully. So this place hosts most of that. Yeah. Now, how do you answer? Yeah, that's such a good answer. Thank you. You know, I mean, just just what you said is is so perfect for you know why why we created this space and kind of what we do here and um and what we get out of it and, and what we get to give away, um you know in return and and you know for me I've um with the you know, with the evolution of my therapy practice and my meditation practice and, and life get really busy, you know, I just, we, we, we find stuff not um, having, um, uh, you know, a place to go frequently to, to, for a retreat or, you know, to gather. And so, you know, it's really nice to be able to create our own experiences for, for other people. Um, you know, I'm consider we're considering doing a retreat for therapists now. And, and so it really, the, the ideas, you know, keep coming and I'm not sure what this is all going to turn into. Um, but you know, for me, this, the, 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 the spiritual practices that I've learned in Buddhism are just woven into my life, um, so deeply that, um, I, I, I love to, um, to be in it every day with people, whether in, in the therapy room or, or on retreat. Sounds really awesome. Actually. Um, I know when I first saw you post about this, Tyler, I was thinking like, 
we have been talking about having a Tattoo Buddha retreat for probably almost as long as Tattoo Buddha has been a thing. Yeah. And we can never pull it together. Something always happens. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. And I'm like, this is it. This is where we're going to go. Whenever we could do it, this is where we're going to go. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. How many people does it, I mean, does it hold? Like about how big of a retreat? Yeah. So um, we, we have just about 30 acres. Um, and so w- with our climate, a lot, of the, a lot of the months, that 30 acres can host a whole lot of things, right? But when we deal with climate and winter and, and weather, um, th- that's what we're currently exploring. So right now, the, the space, the physical space we have, we don't house people overnight. So what we've done is we've partnered with some local uh, hotels and Airbnbs uh, so that people can, can come for the day. Um, leave and then come back. And so we did a three-day retreat and we we worked to curate that experience. Um, I'm not sure how it was for the participants. I think they felt disjointed by sort of leaving that vessel of mindfulness and then having to re-enter the world and then come back. Um, and so I'm paying attention to that, but we absolutely loved them leaving and being able to rest and clean up. And so we're kind of wrestling with like what's holy and sacred for us versus the, the, the uh, retreatants experience. And we're going to find the middle way of those two things. I think that eventually it will look like a small series of cooties or, you know, small little 400 square foot dwellings with a beautiful bed, a writing desk, and a glass wall in the woods, you know, um, where people can uh, come and maybe just be in silence, or they can come and participate, you know, whatever that is. I don't think it'll ever be more than 20 people. If we turn into Spirit Rock, I'll be devastated. I love Spirit Rock, and I love what they do, and I don't want that stress, you know. Um, It's just of no interest to us. But, But the idea of a small, intimate thing, um, I think is is really our plan. And currently we can we can house um, for day retreats, like a gathering of 20 or 30 people is spectacular. Um, could we do 100 people outside for sure? I think probably by next year when COVID has uh, allowed us to purchase things again in terms of building material, we're probably going to build a Dharma hall uh, that would host, you know, I would love to see a space where... 50 or 60 people could be in a circle very comfortably. Um, and, and I don't think we'd ever be bigger than that. So some, something along those lines. But right now we're at the 20 to 30 is really comfortable for us. You guys should have like a reality show. <laughs> I could totally see that, you know, like below deck or. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like summer house, but the Buddhist version. I don't That's know. Right. Totally, right. totally. Totally love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Our Frenchies might steal the show though. Yeah, you know, we got a couple of French bulldogs, so I don't know, they might get a spinoff someday. Yeah, you know the the uh, people keep asking us what's the what's the uh, calendar of events. Um, I hope to God we're never able to answer that question because the calendar of events will be the next idea that pops up in our heart that we find a way to manifest. And whenever that is and whatever date that is, that's what's next. So, you know, we're building a mailing list and we have a lot of people like inquiring. We've had tons of inquiry. Um, and what, what we're promising is when, when our hearts lead us in a direction, we'll announce it and invite people to come. And that's when it will be next. 
So we've done two. Uh, we do have some idea. We have people asking us to do a couples retreat, which I think would be really fun. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a really interesting subject. We certainly have this idea of a therapist's retreat. I think that uh, when I use the word therapist, I don't mean like social worker. I mean, anybody in the healing arts, anybody who holds the high watch for anyone else, that could be nurses, nurse practitioners, therapists, yoga people, you, right? Journalists doing good, noble work, shedding light on important subjects. Those kinds of folks, um, I think we have a hard time finding safe places to be ourselves. You know, it's really hard for us to get support because we're always being asked to give support. So I do definitely think that's actually how Grant and I met was our very first contact was seeking a place for therapists to find refuge because there's so few of those. And so I definitely see that as a growing element here that maybe this is help for the helpers. Well, that's so cool. I was going to ask how you guys met, actually. So you answer that question. <laughs> well, I, I could I could go a little deeper to say, you know, um, we, we, we met at a refuge recovery meeting um, and the, the that meeting started um, as a result of me uh, uh, being a horrible dater. Uh, I'm horrible at it. And, um, and so I'm, I am, I am, I was probably born a capitalist and I've had to refine myself to be a social capitalist. Like it's just who I am. I apologize in advance. Um, so for me, everything is about ROI. And I determined one day, okay, this dating thing is really about a numbers game. Cause these people suck. Like this is a nightmare. And so I decided, I bet if I could have 10 dates a day, I could get to the number that me, that meets success. Like I'm going to like, I treated it like a numbers game. Like, okay, I'm going to do 10 a day and just blow out this bullshit and get to the truth as fast as I can. That whole idea was really flawed. It didn't work. So I gave up, walked away from all that. And I, and I decided I am going to build a place where my most authentic heart is visible, where I'm in the most state of open-hearted joy, where I'm doing what I love the most. And I'm only interested in being in relationship with somebody who'd be attracted to that part of me anyway. Um, and I'm fucking weird. So how, how would I find that person, right? That would resonate with me. And, and so what I did was I very intentionally designed a refuge meeting a format that was different than the standard refuge meetings. And the very first day that we opened, Grant walked in and sat down. And so that that's how it happened. And so uh, here we are. Mm-hmm. Three, so cool. A little over three years later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I have a special place in my heart for refuge because it was it was that venue that that brought me here. Even though we don't have refuge in Chicago really anymore, now it's whatever it's called. But um, it, it, I, I'm grateful for that moment in time where that all came to be. So, what do you see as the next steps for your practice and your focus on where you want to go with this? You know, um, I'll just tell you what's coming up for me now. What I've really been working on is. Um, this, I have this, this new understanding that, uh, when you are your most authentic self, there is no possible way there's competition. And so what, what I mean by that is I think I'm in a phase in my life where I'm really trying to drop the opportunities where I compare myself to others. Um, I've really been expanding my understanding of sobriety. Um, I'll be, I'll be, uh, sober 30 years on October 31st in the original sense of the word sober, like the old 12 step days. 
Um, and I've been sober about 47 seconds from uh, judgment um, and, and some of the other sobrieties that I'm now pursuing. And so um, I'm really, really looking at deepening my, my practice and being really more honest with who I really am, um, sort of like uh, being a mess when, when that messy part of me is what's being revealed and being really um, sacred and noble and intentional when that part of me is being revealed, like really being practicing self-compassion and authenticity around, around like being human. That feels like a big part of my work these days. And um, as far as the community and like uh, the Blue Lotus Temple and the work we're doing there, I'm fascinated by COVID. I'm absolutely fascinated by the juxtaposition of such deep sorrow and suffering and such extraordinary uh, clarity because of the time out and pause that we've all experienced in some way or another and the, and the really profound blessings that many of us have experienced as a result of that, like, like understanding how sorrow and profound blessings can live together and actually always have lived together, I suspect, but I've not always been clear and open-hearted enough to admit that or witness it. Um, and so I'm, I'm really looking at how do I take the blessings from the COVID uh, college? I like to call it the lessons from COVID. How do I take those blessings and move them into my daily practice in the real life world where we're all back together and more connected again. Um, and the parts of my life that fell away during COVID that no longer served me, I'm interested in developing rigorous uh, practices and rituals that don't have me picking them back up just because it's easier to be distracted and avoidant in this society than it is to be open and conscious. And on a bigger picture, what does that look like? I hope I continue to have the courage to speak about that. It's scary to talk about the blessing and sorrow living together, uh, especially as a white male in the United States. I am speaking from a position of privilege. I'm so aware of that. And so I'm almost scared to talk about it because I think it could easily be construed. Of course, you found blessings. Your life was easy, right? You know, that's true. It's not untrue. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with that now. In fact, Dana, I've been thinking about sending you some writing about it, um, about how those two positions can live together, you know, and figuring out how to hold both of them as true and sacred at the same time when they're so opposing of each other. So that's, that's my current thing I'm working on. How about you? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things with the retreat center. I think that the the retreats that we're doing are just kind of showing us, you know, what we want to do next. And and one thing I've learned is that, um, you know, for me, I, I got to take really, really good care of my stress levels um, in order to function at my best, you know? And so for me, it's the, the first thing is, is, is all about, you know, how, how am I doing right now and how am I feeling and, and what's, what do I feel like my current capacity is at, um, you know, to, to, to serve others. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something where I, I don't want to overextend myself ever. And so the, the retreat is the retreat center kind of, I would say almost comes you know, after my personal practice, after my therapy practice, which is, you know, where, how I make my living. 
um, you know, and, 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 and not in this order. Of course, my relationship is, is actually at the top of that. I would, I would label that third. Um, it, but you know, those things gotta come, gotta come, uh, first for me. Um, and then it's, and then, you know, whatever's left over, um, you know, I guess I have to, to get to the, the planning and, and maintenance and, you know, ongoing retreats. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, as, as, um, as my capacity kind of con- continues to expand, you know, with this new endeavor, um, I suspect we'll, we'll probably be doing a lot more retreats in the future. I can tell you guys a really fucking cool thing we're doing. You want to hear it? So during the pandemic, um, we had a guy loan us a really decked out sprinter van, like a camper van with like a little kitchen and a bed and like the whole thing inside the van. And so we set out right after the lockdown in March, we set out in this van and spent like a month traveling the country with the country basically abandoned, right? We went to Mount Rushmore. We were the only people there. So we were, cool. So cool. We went to the Badlands and like we were in this field of wild horses, like all by ourselves, like these wild Mustangs. We had all these adventures in this van. And, um, and so that's been like, really, it really was meaningful to us, this, this kind of adventuresome moment. Um, and, you know, in my previous life and, and in the, the periphery of a lot of my businesses still is very uh, about physical space and housing. I'm a real estate guy, own real estate company, development, build houses, you know, invest, all that stuff. Um, but I have this innate, uh, absolute need for adventure. Like if I don't get on a plane every like four to six weeks or, or go away or do something adventurous every four to six weeks, I get fucking weird. Um, I need to be out in the world. Like when I'm in therapy and in sessions with my coaching clients, I use my experience in the world in the session. And so I need to have those adventures in order to bring back wisdom, practical wisdom to those sessions. And so uh, in the, in the spirit of like searching for adventure, we uh, about a month ago made the decision and found the team. We bought a sprinter van, like an empty one. uh, And we shipped it to Las Vegas to these great guys we found called my bus hotel. And we're building out a sprinter van that is going to be our retreat center on wheels. And so what we want to do is send people out on spiritual adventures. So I'll give you two examples that I'm obsessed with. So I have this one client who um, I swear to God, if it is not written in step-by-step order, he can't do it. Like his whole life is so planned out. He probably knows exactly what time of day he shits. Like, like, and it's probably like has a checklist for it. Okay. So his spiritual adventure is going to be to have himself all set up in the van. We'll have his food in there. We'll get it all ready. He won't have any idea where he's going. He's going to leave our center in the van for a week. And the only rule is he has to turn left at every red light. He's not allowed to make any other decisions. And we'll see where the fuck he ends up. Like, maybe he'll be in Seattle. I don't know, right? Or maybe he'll end up in Kansas. I have no idea. Maybe he won't even get 10 blocks away from us because he'll just be going around in circles in a series of red lights. But the opportunity for him to learn surrender in a hurry like that feels really sacred to me. Um, And then another client I have, she's uh, an exec and very high up in leadership with lots of people underneath her. And the work she and I are doing is reacquainting her with humanity. She's lost touch with humanity because she's kind of insulated in a bubble. 
Um, and so she doesn't know it yet, but I'm going to send her out in the van and she's going to go to Iowa and I'm going to have her wash dishes at a Denny's for like a week on the third shift. Because <laughs> I, I just think transformation does not need to take a very long time. I think deep transformation can happen in an instant. And then the work is to sustain the transformation that happened in an instant. And so I'm going to try to speed up the time it takes to feel the transformation and then build the safety plan for maintaining the transformation once you get back into the real world. So we're going to have a rolling spiritual adventure retreat van. You definitely need a reality show. Like 100 percent. Like this, I would so watch this like completely. Yeah. Like you should at least do it on YouTube. I don't know something. <laughs> what, about, what about Tattoo Buddha TV? Yeah. There we go. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's totally do it. That'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Find someone to film it. I don't know. We can figure something out. <laughs> I think so. Won't that be a blast? It would totally be a blast. Yes. I love that idea. Yes. Yeah. I would totally watch that. I have to ask you a very superficial question. It just popped in my head. Um, Cause that's just the way I am. Um, so do you decorate all your own stuff? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I love the way you decorate. I could, you could ask my boyfriend. I have probably showed him, I don't know how many times, like pictures that you take of your place. Like, yeah. look at this picture. I want this in my house. This looks like a fucking magazine. Like I'm always showing, well, not always, but like if you post something of your house, I'm like, look at this. I want to be here. I love that. I love that. D- Dana, you, you know what? You know what one of Tyler's favorite things about me is? What's that? But I don't have an opinion about the decorating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so lucky. He's a Marine. If I let him pick, we would have camouflage sheets and like nothing on the walls, you know? And so the greatest joy for me is that he doesn't have an opinion about it. I just get to go crazy. You know, I will tell you, um, it's not that superficial, I, I literally believe that 80% of our communication is nonverbal and, and it's about an energy exchange and how we feel. And only 20% is actually what we say or know. And so I am obsessed with the importance of physical space. And, and that doesn't mean money or grandiosity or beautiful things necessarily. It can mean all those things. That's great if you have that, the resources. But uh, attention to like the way a space feels is essential to me. Um, and I, I just, I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't not do it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm really the, the beneficiary of that because I get to, I get to live, live in this and, and really notice the, the sharp contrast be, between, you know, my previous uh, places I lived in and where I live now. It's, it's, it's just night and day the way it makes me feel, you know? Yeah. You definitely have a gift for it. I mean, like just the pictures I've seen, I'm always like, Oh, like I want to be in that room with a book and even with your dog, you know what I mean? Like I want to be there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun. That's great. You know, my, my rule of thumb is, uh, work as hard as I can to make it unsaleable and work even harder to make sure that most people are literally appalled and shocked by it. If I achieve those two goals, I know I've hit the promised land. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now if somebody wants to contact you and they're like, okay, I want to have my retreat at this, this really cool place. Yeah. 
how do they how do they go about doing it? Do they email you or? Yeah, so if you go on hackmatackretreat.com, you can just click inquire um, and then send us a note. And then what we would do is probably set up a call like this or a conversation, and we would just get to know each other and and really hear what's your vision, who is it, what do you have going on there, what what's your what's your goal, and then we'll decide does that feel right, you know, in an open hearted way without any judgment, does that feel like it honors what our mission here is. Does that, can we honor their mission? Um, and are we in alignment with dates and calendars and money and all that? Yep. We don't have any set rates. We don't have any dates that are yes or any dates that are no. We have no selection process whatsoever. Um, our selection process will be our heart. Does it feel right or not? And that's Hackmatack spelled kind of how it sounds. H-A-C-K-M-A-T-A-C-K. Good job. Yeah. yeah, I'll be sure to add that in the show notes um, cool. at the, at the links and everything. So people can- I, I have a I have a, a growing um, clarity that will probably be uh, I think that we would like to be the host to teachings, but not deliver the teachings. So like like this weekend, we did a combination um, with a monk where, you know, he, he taught a section, we taught a section. You know, Grant led apart, I led apart, Bonte led apart. That was pretty cool. But the one with the three day one we did, we brought we brought in a teacher and they did the teachings and we created the experience or the container. And and it, it that feels like really resonates with who we are is that we hold the space for others to pass on their wisdom to people. I think I think that's what it'll likely be. So people who have you know, a thing that they want to do and simply need the physical space of it, we're a perfect match for that. All right. Well, thank you guys. I'm so glad we got to sit down and talk about all this. I've been wanting to do that anyway for a while. Every time I see you post about it, I'm like, oh, I got to have him on here. We got to talk about this. So I'm so glad it worked out. We got all the time zones worked out and the yeah. schedules and everything. So again, it's Tyler Lukey and um, Grant. Grant, I just forgot your last name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gaylor. Grant Gaylor. Yeah. It just went right out of my head. <laughs> Grant Gaylor. And um, they just opened up a new retreat, Hackmack Retreat. And uh, we'll be sure to add their website and everything onto the show notes. Thank you again. And um, we'll definitely uh, talk about that um, Tattoo Buddha TV thing. I think that, I think that would be super fun. fun. Right on. <laughs> All right. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much for having us.